So, I have to write notes for myself all the time, and I'm trying to not pick them up off of here. Because I've noticed when I watch people speak, I don't see them walking around with notes. And I'm like, all right, maybe I'm doing something wrong there. So I'm going to try and try and control myself and keep stuff kind of organized here so it's not a distraction to anybody else. And I have to put notes like, remember to pray before I preach. So it's pretty, pretty rough. But, uh, but I did. And now I will. All right. Lord, I thank you so much for... Uh, Again, your church, again, your Holy Spirit, um, the work that you've done in our lives, Lord God, the work that you continue to do in our lives, that prodding to growth, that you never want us to be stagnant, that you always want us to be moving forward. You always want us to be growing in, into the image of you and into grace and into all of, the, 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 um, all of what Jesus showed us, Lord. You want us to, to, to be working towards that. And so, uh, Father, I pray that this morning you would, you would uh, work in this place to help us all to be able to have open ears, open hearts, open minds to receive what you have for us today, Lord. And I pray, God, that, um, that as a, just a, a vessel, you would just, just work through me and that, it wouldn't be, uh, that I wouldn't be a distraction but that I would somehow be able to just um, present something useful for all of us, Lord God. So I, I praise you, Father. I thank you so much for everybody here. And uh, Lord, I can't thank you enough. So I lift this to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay. So um, I was going back and forth with some ideas because uh, we're usually like, hey, when, when am I preaching again? And it'll be like, oh, why don't you preach in two weeks? I'm like, okay, great. So that works for me. Um, two weeks sometimes can be a, a, a short amount of time, you know, especially if, you know, we're, we're doing a ton of work at my house and all this stuff. So, so you know, I try and, and I have things that I'm always working on, kind of, that I'm, I got going on in my head. And uh, so I started pursuing a few things. And one was, um, we were talking, I was talking to Jewel, was it uh, this past week? that I wanted to talk about the Sermon on the Mount. And then as I was having conversations with people over the course of the week, I noticed that it was going to like characteristics of spiritual maturity, what that means, what it is. I was talking to my wife. Um, we were here for Thanksgiving service and that came up, you know, as I, I thought of it and I was like, this is, this is an important thing. You know, this is so key for us as the body of believers to, to grow to not, not be where we started. And we can think back, you know, I know I can think back of the zeal that I had when I first got saved. And we might, you know, go through periods of time where we're, we're kind of, we feel like we're not going anywhere. And we look back at that and say, oh, if I could just have that again. But, you know, the zeal is good and we should have that. But there's so much more to our growth than that, than just being zealous. You know, it says that zeal without knowledge is unwise. Have zeal. You don't want zeal without knowledge, we'll say. You know, the goal is to gain in knowledge and our understanding of who God is, understanding of who we are in his kingdom, and understanding of what he calls us to do. You know, so then those things lead to this place of maturity, and he wants us to get there. You know, all through scripture, if we look at 
um, the first verse here, you know, you can see the Lord talking about this throughout the New Testament, especially in Hebrews 6, 1. Um, and thanks, Dan. Again, you're my lifesaver. I love this. Um, so I did it again. Um, Hebrews 6, 1, it says, therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. In Ephesians 4.13, it says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to measure to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And James 1.4, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing, which Man, that comes up so much, and I, I, I can't wait to do more on that, even though I already did something on that. But I want to go more into like that stuff, but not today. A little bit today, but not all. First uh, Corinthians 14.20 says, Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. So we have all of these verses in the, in the Scripture that is encouraging us to be mature, we're never called to be stagnant. You know, we don't want to just be wallowing or hanging out and not going anywhere. And so we can, like there are some characteristics that I think it'd be wise for us to get a hold of, to kind of examine ourselves and see if we have these characteristics and see where we're lacking and where we're, where, where, I mean, do we ever really have it? 100%? I would say no. But So we're always going to be lacking a little bit, but to see how we're growing, to see how we're doing in our walk with the Lord. Um, so there's some basic things, and I, I kind of had them numbered, but there are so many little details to each one that it kind of just ran, ran together quite a bit. Um, but I'll, I'll just run through the, the thoughts. Um, the first one is God's character and scripture and not our emotions. So thinking about how we respond to things and not react to things, you know, how important it is that we're not, we're not basing our lives on how we feel, you know, so, and we'll get into that. The next one is listen more and talk less, um, which there's a lot to that. Humility, um, introspection, you know, and real discernment of the scripture. So these are, these are some things, and I did a lot of like, um, I, I, I go back and forth with, you know, trying to stay away from listening to other people's messages and all that stuff. And then sometimes I'll listen a little bit. But in this, I wanted to hear what people's thoughts were on what it means to be spiritually mature. And it was very interesting to see that there was a lot of stuff that when I listened to it, I was like, well, you know, as a baby Christian, I had that. Or as a baby Christian, you could do that. So there's a lot of like outward kind of things. But I think that real spiritual maturity is the working in us of, of character qualities where we are reflecting God and we're, we're, we're acting the way Jesus acted. And that's what we're called to be. It's that, it's that inside stuff, that continual working. And Steve and I were talking last night about like the work of the Holy Spirit and how I understand it. And in, in my life, it seems that you know, the Lord is, is, has given me an objective, and he's told me what to do. 
And he does like little tiny corrections along the way. Just a little, hey, you might want to consider this. Or, you know, you got to check your attitude or whatever. I mean, even this morning, you know, we were praying. And, uh, and I was, you know, I'm praying over here. And we're kind of tighter, but still kind of spread out. And Sophie, I'm praying. And Sophie's like, um, I can't hear you. And I was like, well, move closer. You know, now I'm being like joking. But, you know, and I'm like, oh, how did that come off? You know, was, that, was I rude? You know, it's like, um, it's a little, little stuff like that. Anyway, I don't know where I was going. Um, but anyway, so a lot of spiritual maturity has to do with this. How we respond to God, how we respond to people, and how we respond to every situation that we face. And it's, the term respond is super important because we're not reacting. When you think about, you know, you don't have to have kids to know how kids are. You know, you could see how kids act. Everything they do is based on how they feel. It's, I want chocolate all the time. Well, it's not good. So, you, you know, but that's what they, that's how they act. You know, it's like, well, I don't want to go to bed. I don't want, you know, it's like everything is how I feel about it. How it and everything is self-focused. And as they mature, and, and you may even see a, a young kid, six, seven years old, and you see them do something that is like, like selfless. And we're all like, wow, that's amazing. Why is that amazing? Because they're not like that, you know? And, uh, and so when we, when we look at little kids, you know, they're, they're kids. And when we came, we came into Christ, we were born again. We became a new creation. We were new, you know? Um, but we wouldn't want our kids to stay like that, right? We don't want them to stay in that state of mind where everything is based on how they feel and, uh, and just responding or, or reacting to, to the world around them. We want them to start looking outside. How does this affect me later? How does this affect others? How does this affect the situation? You know, and they grow into that stuff. And so we as Christians, I think we can get caught up and get stuck sometimes in a kind of a rut. And we can be caught up in that and not realizing that we're, we're acting that way. Um, so I want to go to, uh, and this I was going to use as my, as my main scripture passage for today, because um, it says a lot, and I'll, I'll touch on a few of the things that it says um, in it, but it's, there was a lot of other scripture that I'm, I'm going to go with. So, um, but Hebrews 5, 11 through 14, it says, about this, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. That's one key thing. Hard to explain because they're dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. It's another aspect, right? Something to really consider. At this time, they should be teaching other people. They shouldn't have to have these things again. Um, you need milk, not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. So there's an unskill, there's a, there's a skill level to this righteousness that he's... Uh, the writer of Hebrews is, is saying about these people um, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. And I think that there's, like, there's a lot of those key points in that, and I think it's good for us to get a hold of. And if we, 
we take some time, maybe on your own, to, to go through that and see, you know, how does that fit me? Am I dull of hearing? Am I, am I um, you know, am I able to sit down with somebody and walk them through what Christianity is? Am I able to, to teach someone else? You know, um, not everybody's a teacher, but everybody's called to disciple. And so we should be able to do those things. But that's a little digression. Um, but to get to that point where it says, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. It's the training. They're training themselves by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Now, good from evil is not necessarily, you know, you have your, your God and the devil kind of image of good and evil. But good and evil, good evil could just be us foregoing what the word says and doing our own thing, you know, because that's really what it, what it comes down to. You know, um, you know, the whole, and I, I, I guess this is true, but the whole idea of, of Satanism is do what you want, you know, that's what it comes down to, you know, so that's evil, right? Satanism is evil, right? Um, but, uh, <laughs> amen, it is true. Um, but, uh, so, so there's, there's some key things there, and a lot of that has to do with the training. So the first thing that, uh, uh, the first main uh, portion of this, we've talked about a bunch, but to kind of hone in on some characteristics, is living our lives based on our understanding of Scripture and what Jesus is like and not on our emotions. You know, so, and so, so keep that in mind. You know, and um, I, I think that, it can be summed up, this sign, this, this characteristic of maturity can be summed up in what Jesus says in John 5.30. He says, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If we're about our own will, if we're about what we want, and not what God wants, and not what's right for the church, or for our interactions with other people, then, and it's just, it's just a response to our own, our own will. We're not being like Jesus, and we're not being mature, and we need to be in that place where we're, we're, we're saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? Not what I want to do, but what you want me to do, and Jesus went through, I mean, we'll never go through stuff that he went through. You know, think about the Garden of Gethsemane. I think I don't, like we have done plenty of plays, right? You know, um, Easter plays and things like that. And I ended up before I got um, out of shape and, uh, you know, I ended up playing Jesus and I had a lot of memorization to do. And so as I was going through like that garden scene and, and thinking and trying to think about what, what was it really like? For Jesus to be in that situation where he's saying, Lord, take this cup from me, but not my will, your will. Like that, we can kind of just glance over that. But think of the anguish. Think of the anguish. And he was willing to put his own will aside. That's what we're called to do. Put our own will aside. God, what do you want from me? Uh, so our goal is to, to not live based on our feelings. There is um, another verse which I think says, um, 
really, really can, can be hard to hear, you know, and, and maybe not, not understand. It can be hard to understand also, where Jesus says, you need to take up your cross and follow me. You know, take up that cross and follow him. And am I getting like weird reverb or something? Okay. And I think that if you look at that in a kind of a, a big, big picture kind of way, you say you have to take responsibility. You know, that is such a key foundation to being spiritually mature, is taking responsibility. There is somebody who I really, really admire as an incredible mind, and um, like C.S. Lewis, I love C.S. Lewis, and I I love this guy. Um, Jordan Peterson, he has a book, um, and he has a rule in there. It's the 12 Rules of Life, and he has a rule in there that says, stand up straight with your shoulders back. And it's not a, a position of arrogance. It's not a position of, you can't touch me. It's a position of, I need to be responsible to deal with everything that comes my way. There's so much, and I think we can miss, we can miss this. There's so much in our Christian walk that is our responsibility. I think that we can sometimes kind of see God as kind of like, I don't know. And I don't want to. I don't want to say anything that would be bad. This is my chance to offend everybody. Uh, But he can be like, we can picture him as Santa Claus up there. Like he's just going to hand out all the stuff that we need and we're never going to, you know. But that's not, that's not what Christianity is. Look at what Jesus says all through the Gospels. It's never, I'm going to take your problems away. You know, he gives us a verse in John 16, 33. And I, I love this. Because it says exactly that, 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 that we're responsible. It says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. Right? He'll give us peace. In the world you'll have tribulation. He doesn't say he'll take that away. But he says this, but take heart, because I have overcome this world. What does that mean? What does that mean for us? He has overcome this world. What do we have in Christ? Think about these things we have in Christ, right? He's given, us, he's given us peace with him. He's reconciled us to him. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us his word. He's given us the ability to have true hope, to have true life, to have true peace. That's, that overcomes this world. So the troubles that come, the difficult decisions we have to make, the, 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 the stuff that we have to face head on. That's on us sometimes. Most of the time, I think, it's on us. Now, we have an open door with him. We, have, we can come boldly before the throne of grace. We can ask him for wisdom. We have all of this at our fingertips. So we are overcoming. But we're still here. And we still have to make decisions. And we still have to be responsible for our actions, for our thoughts, for our words, for our motives. You know, so a lot of it's on us. And so think about this. Like, I think this is, um, seeing this as a, is a, I think, a real good characteristic of spiritual maturity. Um, Look at what Jesus tells us to do, right? He tells us things that are hard. 
love your enemies. Is that easy? No, love your enemies. Pray for them. Bless them. We got to do it. It's our responsibility. Be anxious for nothing. You say he's going to take our anxiety away, but he tells us to be responsible for that. You know, we can be anxious for nothing. Give thanks in all things. That's our job. It's our job. And what does Jesus do? You know, Jesus is the ideal of a fully spiritually mature person. He's the example. Um, and like the uh, Keith Green song, I love it. You know, um, doing our best, pray that it's blessed, and he'll take care of the rest. But the doing of the best is important. You know, we have to do our best. It says in Hebrews 1.3, he is the radiance, and we went through this last time, but uh, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. In Hebrews 5.8, says, although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. So he had... He had to deal with these things. John 5, 19, so Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, excuse me, okay. Um, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. So we have our image of Christ. We have our representation in the scripture. We know who he is. We know what he does. That's what we're supposed to do. Um, we should be doing what he does. That's our pattern for maturity. You know, and there's situations where he is, uh, you know, the woman at the well situation and the flipping the table and the, in the temple situation and all of these different situations, how he deals with the Pharisees, you hypocrites, and you whitewash tombs. And he, but with, with Mary, he's, he writes in the sand. Like he's, he is everything. He is, he is every aspect of who God is. You know, he's, he's righteous but merciful. He's, he's all these things. And we, we can have, we can get caught up in who we think we are. Well, that's not my personality. Or that's not, you know, I don't think that's where we should be. I think it should be, what's his personality? How do I deal? How do I become that? And so we forego who we are and become who he wants us to be. That's what we're called to do. And I think that is spiritual maturity. I think that's an aspect, for sure, characteristic of spiritual maturity. Um, another uh, characteristic is that we would listen more and talk less. And that says a lot, sort of. doesn't say a lot there, but you can get into it a lot. Um, in James 1, 19 through 21, it says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. So he's telling us to be quick to hear, right? But slow to speak. And slow to become angry, right? There's another emotion. It's like we can hear something from somebody that we might not like. And what's our response to that? Is it to become angry? Does that work the righteousness of God? No. You know, so, so it's our goal to, okay, when somebody says something, and this is kind of where I, where I, I want to go with this characteristic, is that 
it, there's, a, there's a teachableness to this characteristic. And, and our, our goal should be to be teachable. It should be that we can hear from, and I, and I would say, anybody. And not just my pastor who I trust. Not just um, my good friends who we hang out and talk theology. But, but people who might just see something that I don't see. I don't know. Everybody has blind spots, right? We don't see who we are sometimes and how we project ourselves. You know, how something came off, you know, that, that I said or whatever. We don't know sometimes how that affects other people. But we have to be responsible for that. And we have to realize that, um, that we have to be able to hear that. You know, and I, I've had situations, too, where, you know, people who I, I don't like, People who I, I just, I don't trust. I, I wouldn't be their friend. Like, you know, if they need something, of course, I'll help them. But, but I'm not going to hang out with them kind of thing that I used to work with. You know, who said something, you know, to, to me and said, you were, oh, you're like this. And I was like, now, my, our first response as, spirit, as a spiritually mature Christian, I think, should not be, you're wrong. That shouldn't be our first response. And that can be, but again, that's that emotional, like, what are you telling me, you know? But it should be, wow, maybe that's real. Maybe everything he says outside of that is wrong, but doesn't change the fact that he might be telling you something that you need to hear, right? So we have to be open to hear that. Another aspect of this, and this includes your wife, too, or your husband's, too, and now, Jewel and I were talking about this, and that relationship, there's a certain uh, dynamic to that relationship that makes it harder for some reason to hear, at least from what I've seen. For my, when my wife says something, it's like, ah, you know. And, but if Steve says it, I'm like, oh, okay, all right, he's right. Of course he's right, you know. Um, or even so other people, you know, other friends might say so. And, uh, but, you know, it becomes harder to hear from my wife for whatever reason. But I don't want that. Is there any tissues around? Tissue? I barely know you. Okay. So I don't sniff the whole time. Hopefully. Okay. What page am I on? Ah, there we go. Okay. So one of the, one of the um, parts of this, this characteristic too, and I think is, is such an important part. Aren't they all important? Everything's important. Is to not be easily offended. Oh, it's so, it's so taxing to be in a situation where someone is easily offended. And I think that that is a sign of immaturity. You know, in that, you know, and uh, somebody said this, um, online somewhere. Immature people are hard to please and easy to offend. If, we're, if we find ourselves being offended easily, we need to check ourselves. You know, we should be able to, um, when somebody brings something to us, you know, if somebody says, hey man, you know, you're like, 
I don't, I don't like the way you said that or whatever. We should be like, okay, you know, let's deal with this. You know, and, uh, and, and I think that they're, they're a sign of, of maturity is this. How fast do you turn that hurt, that reaction, to understanding, self-examination, and then forgiveness? How fast do you do that? You know, do you harbor it? Is there bitter envy? Is there bitterness? Is there struggle there? Like, you know, grow in that because it should be like that. You know, as if we're spiritually mature, that's what we'll be able to do. We can hear anything. You're like, okay, let me think about that. Because we're not all about ourselves, right? We're not all about ourselves. That's what we, we don't want to be about ourselves. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 14 through 15, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. We can get into that at some point. But, um, but think about how important it is for us to be forgiving. You know, it's like that's kind of like what Jesus is, is making the point of. How important it is to realize that we need to be forgiving other people. And... Uh, it's, it's so important. Ephesians 4, 31, 32 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as, as God and Christ forgave you. And in Colossians 3, 12 through 13, Put on then as cho- God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, passionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, you also must forgive. Now, there's a flip side to that, too. You know, so we need to forgive those who, who, have, who have maybe said something or have hurt us. We should be willing to do that really rapidly. Um, but we need to be able to go to others and ask them for forgiveness. Like, that's a key thing to, to spiritual maturity, being able to go to someone and say, listen, you know, I, you know I, 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 didn't, I didn't mean that to come out that way. Will you forgive me for that? And if you do that, like, how fast do you do that? You know, it should be, okay, I got to deal with that. You know, when we think about what the, the scripture says about uh, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus is talking about if a brother has something against you, you know, and you go before to go pray, and you realize, oh, he has something against you. got to go make that right before you bring your, your, your gift to the altar, right? Like, it, it should be that fast. Oh, i got to deal with this. All right, let me, let me deal with it as soon as I can. Um, in Romans 12, 18, it says, If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. A spiritually mature person is about reconciliation. You know what reconciliation is. Yes. Okay. To be reconciled, to be brought back into right relationship. That's reconciliation. God did that for us. If 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So we have a ministry of reconciliation. Now in this passage, he's talking about sharing that message of reconciliation that God reconciled the world. 
But we're about, we have a, we have a responsibility to reconcile with the brothers of Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ. We have, a, we have a responsibility to do that and reconcile with others too. You know, if we've offended someone, go to them, make things right. You know, ask them. You know, sometimes I, I feel like I've done something stupid and, you know, I got to go and say, hey, listen, did I, you know, come off that? Like, that's okay to do. It's hard sometimes, but it's, okay. it's good and it should be going on. Um, so that is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and trusting to us the message of reconciliation. So we're given that responsibility. Another characteristic of, of being a mature Christian, or seeing spiritual maturity, I think is, and this is, again, this is a super key aspect. And it kind of, everything else kind of fits into this too, uh, is this, this attitude of humility. And... I think that term can be misunderstood. I think being humble is not being in a place where you're looking down on yourself, a place of self-deprecation, where you're putting yourself down, I messed up, you know, gee whiz, you know, I'm so bad, I'm this, I'm that. That's not what we're supposed to be. You know, that's not where we are. You know, and so, and I think a true humility is understanding who God is, and understanding who we were, who we are, and why we're the way we are now. Like if, just having a real understanding of, of reality. That's what it is. Seeing us the way that we should see us. Um, so we know who we are, right? Ephesians 2, 1 through 2. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. That's who we were. And we know that, right? Don't forget that. It's important for us to remember that. And we know who we are, right? When 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10, there's, a, there's so much that talks about who we are now. We're new creation, new, new creatures created in Christ Jesus, right? We're new we're all of that. And this, this verse says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We are important, right? We went through that last time I talked, that we are important. And then we know the why. Ephesians 2.4. And you could, stop, you could really stop right with the first two words, but God. That's the why, but God. Right? So, and we know who God is. We know he is, he is merciful. We know he is just. We know he's righteous. We know he's loving. We know who he is. We know what he's done. We know who we were. We know who we are. That, to me, is true humility. Um, being humble it also allows us to ask other people for help. You know, not to be all, again, no, we're not all about ourselves. We respect others. We seek after God's glory and not our own. Um, and knowing, again, that everyone is as valuable as we are. 
you know, we're not argumentative. That's another issue. <laughs> like we can get all into that, you know. You're like, well, you can't tell me that, you know, and then we get into an argument and it could be about theology, it could be anything, you know, but always having that ability to hear from somebody else. Another aspect of humility is to hold ourselves accountable. How do our words and actions affect others? Do I have to, do I have to speak my mind? Do I have to? No. You know, and, and again, it's not about who, your personality. It's about who you are in Christ. It's not about, well, I, that's just who I am. No. Who you should be is, is an image of Christ. You know, that old's passed away, you know. And there, I'm not saying that we, we do have personalities. We do have aspects of who we are. And we have gifts and things like that. But if they're not submitted to the Lord, if we're not submitted to the Lord, then he's, he can't use us and we can't mature in that way that we should. Um, so can I be edifying somehow rather or while um, getting my point across? Cross, you know, uh, can I put myself in their shoes? So another thing, and, I, and this is so key for um, humility and a right mindset, is understanding that we are no longer in a place of condemnation. We're no longer there. If we find ourselves condemning ourselves, we're in the wrong spot. I think a spiritually mature person understands what, what freedom in Christ means, what real freedom is. And it's not a freedom to just go and do whatever you want. It's a freedom to do what you ought. And it's not another list of rules, but it's, hey, if you want to see fruit, this is where you want to be, you know? And so, so let's not get hung up on that. And, I, and not to take anything away from being humble and broken before the Lord for our sin. But we can't stay there. We're not fruitful if we're in that place all the time. And we're, we're just not effective for it. We're not helping. How is that edifying? <laughs> like we're called to edify. How is that edifying? You know, so, um, okay. Um, I'm on to my last point. So probably got about five minutes left there. Um, and another key thing about spiritual maturity, I think, is rightly discerning the word of God. So being able to look at the word for what it says being able to be challenged, have our own, our own way of thinking challenged by the word of God, and then saying yes to the word and not to us. You know, because we can get so caught up in, you know, well, this is how I understand it, and you, know, and you can't hear from anybody who's bringing the word to you about another subject or another way of looking at it. But we can be able to discern it and walk through it and, uh, and, and have our mind changed, right? You know, sometimes, like, I'll give you an example, and I love this. It's so cool because it's so, um, it, was, it was just a, a great, like, um, situation, I call it, but on the Friday night class, which I would encourage everybody to come out to. It's awesome. Uh, Friday night counterculture, we, we had talked about... Um, 
different, and this is going to be a whole another language for some people, but a different thousand-year millennial views. Um, and so it was deep. We learned a whole new language to understand it. And, but what it did was it, it got, like, like there's a, a, the view of um, the rapture, Christ is going to come back, we're going to be taken out of the world, then we're going to come back with him, and we do all this stuff. And it's very common. That's the most common thing. That's what I've always uh, believed and understood. But there are other views that I didn't know. And so to be able to sit down and actually be challenged and challenge my own thinking on something that I've believed my whole life to see if it lines up with Scripture, that is so good for us to do. It's so good for us to be able to sit down and have any kind of uh, anything that we've thought and test it with the Word of God. Does it fit? Does it line up? Does it stand the test? That to me, is a sign of spiritual maturity. And so, and our ultimate goal, um, oh, another aspect real quick, and that has to do with proper discernment. And this, we kind of touched on this because we touched on uh, responsibility. But, and this is, this is where I'm going to probably offend people. I'm, I'm trying, obviously. No, uh, everything that we read in the scripture is not over-the-top spiritual stuff. You know, it's a lot of nuts and bolts stuff. And if we are properly discerning, I think that we'll see the things that are spiritual and the things that are not, and the things that are our responsibility and the things that are God's. And we can get hung up and have caused all kinds of different church splits and everything because everything is, is the spirit when it isn't, you know, everything is not the spirit, you know, and I think that we have to be wise to discern that. Um, does that make sense? I don't want to come across as, and you can talk to me later about it. Um, cause I, you know, I'm, I'm really not trying to be offensive. Uh, Galatians 5.22, and this is our ultimate goal, right? 5.22 and 23 is to live out this, to see the fruit of the Spirit work in our lives. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And again, it's not another list of things to do. And we beat ourselves about, uh, beat up ourselves about, but it's a list of things that we can look at and say, "Am I that? How do I become that?" You know, that's the goal. If we want to be spiritually mature, and the, we will be most effective when we are growing and we are maturing in Christ. So, with that, you didn't pick out a song yet. What's wrong with these guys? Oh, hey, hi. <laughs> worship team. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, all right, so let's, uh, let's pray. Then we'll end it with a tune. All right, Lord, I just thank you again for, the, uh, for this church and for the opportunity to be part of your body. And uh, I pray, Lord God, that we can all grow the way you want us to grow, that we can be as mature and effective as possible, that we wouldn't be comfortable being stagnant 
we wouldn't be comfortable being immature, but that, Lord God, by your grace and by the power of your Holy Spirit, you will show us the little areas in our lives that we need to adjust and correct, and that we will be willing to stand up straight with our shoulders back and deal with whatever we have to deal with so that we can be who you want us to be and not how we feel uh, we want to be. So, Lord God, I just thank you and praise you, Father, and uh, lift this up to you in the name of Jesus.